Sunday, November 29th. Thank you, Tanya, for putting off sleep for a few minutes. We're going to quick <laughs> do a summary because a lot has changed since the last time we've recorded this. So for I think it's we mm. have to just quick get. Yeah, rundown. Rundown. Okay. So case count in Ontario today, I think, is 1,710. And the graph is just a line going up. So the Ontario situation is not so great. Toronto seems to be bending the curve. We're a little bit better, but regions like Peel and York and Waterloo are uh, shooting up. Yeah, Waterloo sounds like they might be on the cusp of a lockdown soon. So far, right now, Peel and Toronto are in lockdown up in Ontario, right? Are those the only uh, jurisdictions? I don't think that those are the only. I think Hamilton is in lockdown. I don't. And did York move to lockdown? Did they? Did they just? Hey, maybe we should know what we're talking about I'm pretty before sh- we... I'm pretty sure right now only... I thought York made some deal to delay lockdown. Maybe. My understanding was I Peel and Toronto were the only ones in lockdown, but there, I mean, there is no clear line when other jurisdictions are supposed to go into lockdown. There's, mm-hmm. there's pretty clear lines now when you go into. Oh, from sorry, I was, I was thinking of red. Yeah, yeah. Th- there's a there's growing number of municipalities going into red, and, but there's not a clear distinction as to what goes into lockdown. Um. I yeah. think the last time we did talk about this, we were complaining about the number, the cutoff points, right? The cutoff, oh, yes. the thresholds. They were very, very high. Were to too go high. Move from yellow, orange to red. And that, and and that's the the government did get a lot of flack for that, a lot of feedback, and they did, to their credit, revise. Yeah, but not until somebody from Public Health Ontario spoke. Out, yeah. Even though it was, v- it's very not clear that she was allowed to do so. Yeah. Um, but she went to the press basically and said, "These are not the numbers that we advised the government." Yeah. And they were four times higher, right? The Toronto Star reported that, and then all hell broke loose, and then the they government was like, "Oh, uh, yeah, uh, things just changed uh, so rapidly. <laughs> we're going to revise our numbers now." Yeah. And so they're now they the the cutoff points are essentially f- like a fourth, a quarter of where they used yeah. to be. And that it's led still to not so useful. And that led to Toronto lockdown base. still doesn't have a line. Yeah, lockdown There's still no trigger for lockdown. Yeah. But Toronto went that pushed Toronto into the red zone and peel into the red and I think I can't remember. Toronto was already in Toronto red. was probably already, I can't remember. And then mm-hmm. Tr- that yeah. There's yeah. been yeah, so that happened. Yeah, so Toronto's in lockdown and it seems to be working, so that's good. Which makes the which makes the numbers of Ontario that much scarier because Toronto is like Toronto mm-hmm. and Peel are the biggest contributors to the number of cases every day, and so now that Toronto's leveled off, it's like the growth in the other jurisdictions are driving mm-hmm. the growth, which is and Peel. So if you look at the per capita cases peel has like 30 new cases a day per 100,000 yeah which is like the highest in the province mm-hmm. toronto's around 15, 15 as a point of comparison york's around 13 waterloo is around 11 yeah so peel is really 
way out ahead on a per capita basis. Yeah. Um, and lockdown also brought out a really gross protest. <laughs> um, Adamson Barbecue is a name that you probably all know. We, because um, its owner, what's his name again? Adam Skelly? Is that right? Scully, Skelly, something. Yeah. Who cares? Um, He's a pretty young guy. He's like 34 or something. 32 he or 34. decided that COVID's a big conspiracy and these lockdowns are government overreach. And so he's going to open up his restaurant anyways, um, which he did like two days in a row. So, so the f yeah, th I despite the lockdown in Toronto, it's now four days. We've been in the lockdown in Toronto for now five days, maybe. Right, started on Monday. I don't know. So did it? Almost it's a only week. been a week? I guess a week, yeah. Lord. And so he opened the restaurant on Monday. Police came in the morning. Somehow they left. This is the weird thing that happened. Like the police came in the morning, saw that he was open. There was confusion about enforcement. How to enforce it. And what that. was required. So then they gave him a shutdown notice at the end of the day when they were already shutting down. But then somehow he opened again on <laughs> Tuesday and they still were confused about enforcement. And then he wanted to try opening again on Wednesday, but they changed the locks, I think, before. They changed the locks, and they ended up leading him away in cuffs at some point, and yeah. he spent a night in jail. Anyways, this was our go-to barbecue place. <laughs> this is the big story. His Leaside <laughs> location. This is where we ordered from them for our anniversary dinner this year. Yeah. They had good food. I say head because we will never ever go there again but they i mean just to note that i came back from there picking up the food we went i went to pick up the food i did notice no one was wearing masks inside there yeah like you commented on it that. was it was definitely like you could tell there was a that that was a cultural thing there that they weren't mm -hmm. honoring that anyway so yeah that made us feel a bit uncomfortable yeah anyways but they did delivery also anyways new barbecue place <laughs> if anyone has any recommendations mm -hmm. Then, big news that I think you'll have to talk about because I didn't actually read it, but the auditor's general report came out about Ontario's COVID response and basically yeah. said it was crap and it was led by a bunch of people who aren't public health experts. They hired yeah. McKinsey, they hired KPMG to do all this consulting on the response structure yeah. and just d didn't value the voice of public health. And yeah, I think the high the two highlights from it were one that the people that the public health person wasn't at what they call the command table. So this there's this command this complex command table structure that was created by these consultants. I think it's grown to be a hundred people or something that are on these calls. God. But none of them are health people. Like none of them are the public health like the officer of public health for Ontario is not on that command table and and so there appears to have been some confusion about what the public health person's role was david public williams david williams Daily, david williams yeah like he did it's his job to run the thing but he was deferring to the command table like he would run things basically get permission like he would give ideas to the command table and the command table would take it to cabinet and they would decide like mm -hmm. there was a complete misunderstanding like and and there was one of the things that 
is it Bonnie Lissick, I think is the name of the Auditor General, said was he didn't use the power that he has. Like he didn't, he, he wasn't mm-hmm. doing his job really. Like he, mm-hmm. and so that was one of the notable things. And, and Public Health Ontario too is this organization that should be out front doing a lot of things and nobody yeah. has heard from them. Yeah. So the for face. the whole pandemic. And that was the other point, yeah, that was that like Doug Ford at being the face of this is strange. It should be, it should have been a uh, public health official, a, a public like health person, like David Bonnie Williams, Henry or Dina Hinshaw, in all the West other provinces. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I've been saying that from the very or first too. Like, that's yeah. just yeah. the biggest sign that Doug Ford doesn't know what he's doing is that he's getting up every day and yeah. being the face of this and that is not that's like rule number one in every single podcast i listened to on public health in the last <laughs> eight months yeah. it's always rule number one is you have to have a clear trusted non-political voice mm-hmm. leading the public health effort like we do in toronto like eileen Devilla is yeah. a public health person and john mm-hmm. tory is there i think in Supporting. almost every in almost every uh announcement he's probably there but mm-hmm. more like okay this is we now got our marching orders from eileen de villa here's how we're gonna implement what she just said yes and that's the appropriate that that's how it's expected and the comments mm-hmm. in the report were from people like eileen de villa who run each of the health units ha- that they were confused because they were expecting to get direction from david williams or public health ontario but they didn't they were getting direction from the government yeah. directly which just is to strange. clarify david williams is not public health ontario Sorry, it's a yeah. separate organization got it that's non-governmental i'm pretty sure that was set up after sars right <sighs> again we're like the only place that had sars that didn't yeah. kick this thing in the butt yeah we didn't retain yeah. our lessons yeah and the response from the government was to basically say they didn't agree with most of the report except for the parts that were where there was blame cast on the previous government on the liberal government um kathleen win i guess and Mm -hmm. i guess mcginty and win um because they also should have restructured some of you know there was lessons that should have been learned from sars and there was restructuring that should have happened as a result of that that didn't happen and so there was parts of the report included Mm -hmm. that all right, next item on our rundown is testing in schools. So schools opened in September. The line from the government has been that schools open safely. There haven't been any major outbreaks. And then the line from public health people is that, well, technically, we can't know if there have been any major outbreaks because we're not doing any surveillance Mm -hmm. on schools. So you could have a school that's just riddled with COVID and Mm -hmm. all these, because kids tend to be non-symptomatic or Mm -hmm. have mild symptoms and they go home and pass it to somebody who doesn't know where they got it from. And there's no requirements to get tested. And even if that person does get tested, it's not going to be logged as coming from the school. Yeah. So we just, there are most definitely invisible chains of transmission that that we are not seeing and that we can't see. So now Ontario government has announced that they're going to 
do um, start doing kind of random asymptomatic testing in schools and um, Toronto no Michael Garen Hospital formerly Toronto East General Hospital they've had a, a fantastic COVID response and so they together with the government started doing this already mm. in a hard-hit area at Thorncliffe Public School mm. any kid whose parents say can have one gets a, a COVID test. test. Oh, nice. And I don't think it's the Q-tip to your brain one. I think right. it's the saliva one. Right. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to scare the kids off. No. So that's going to show we'll us learn. a lot. We'll know. Yeah. Because we'll the issue know. in a place like Toronto now is that we're not doing contact tracing. Like, like now if you look at the graphs, like whether we know the chain of transmission, it's like more than half of the cases are we aren't tracing we, we can't trace the source so those could very well be school and i guess we're going to learn where it's coming from the other thing to tag on to this note mm -hmm. is staney brown had mentioned in some of his in some of the press conferences that they're also doing poop testing they're checking the <gasps> sewage for where not not broadly but just remember we talked about like in an in earlier Ottawa they're doing yeah it. in a couple of places just i think as studies they're doing okay they're testing sewage for COVID and they're seeing it as a much like as a leading indicator. So, mm -hmm. so you see the curve of COVID in the, the sewage go up well before you see the curve go up in cases in and case tests. Counts because you can see it in the sewage before somebody has symptoms and yeah. gets a test and we get a result. Yeah. So it's a like, it, I, I, it's I'm surprised amazing no one because it's the only leading indicator that we yeah. have. And yet I, I haven't heard any more about it. Like this is almost like before Toronto went into lockdown, like a couple of weeks before that, he made a couple of announcements. He just talked about some of these results they were getting, but we haven't heard anything further on this type of testing. I mean, it hmm. sounds like they should just be rolling. Like to me, it sounds like they should just roll this out everywhere. Why aren't you mm -hmm. just doing sewage testing? Like forget. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you obviously still have to do the other testing, but if you can get if you can get a week's or even two weeks earlier data on what's coming why why are we not doing that yeah well i mean i guess it depends on where you sample the sewage because i mean let's say if you just did general toronto sewage sample like if you saw the num the virus going up you wouldn't know where to but you can do wherever tackle. you want you could do it out the you know you could do it at a given school you could do it mm -hmm. at a, a in a neighborhood like that that's it's like a is that true do you know how to access sewage samples i'm i mean there's sewage lines that connect from areas yeah. to a main i know i know i'm just saying yeah there's it's like theoretical sewage collection and then there's the people who have yeah. to actually go collect yeah, the yeah, sewage. yeah 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 no i don't know i don't know i'm sure it's different in every case but mm -hmm. th i'm sure there are ways you could do it but yeah. all right so anyways that's excited that will be good information yeah and vaccines Right. So I think the last time we were talking about one vaccine coming out, was it Pfizer. Was the Pfizer one, which was the the issue, the net, the downside of it. I mean, it had 90 percent or 95 percent effectiveness, but needed to be stored at very cold temperatures, making it difficult to distribute. Since then, Moderna has has announced their vaccine has similar efficacy or effectiveness, mm -hmm. but doesn't but requires only standard 
Yeah. Refrigeration. Yeah. And now, sorry, what's the third one? The third one um, is what is AstraZeneca. The company? AstraZeneca, yes. Yeah. And they have what they're calling the vaccine for the world because they... It's cheap. It's cheap. They're going to sell. I think some of the other ones are in the $15 to $25 range. This one they're going to sell for under five, two to five dollars, they say, mm-hmm. per dose. And it can be stored just like not even in a freezer, but at fridge temperatures, which is like the like standard mm-hmm. way you deal with all vaccines around the world in poorest and areas. Apparently, and Bill and Melinda Gates. Uh-huh like have a deal with a factory in india to like pump this out right it's already being they're already doing it it's the vaccine for the world as you said yeah there's some questions about their data though i was reading in the new york times it's a bit they had some weird um it sounds like anomalies with their phase three trials a mistake it was like the vaccine is 70% 70% effective overall, but there was this weird mistake where they gave some people a half dose for the first dose and then a full dose. And then that group, did which better. was really small, did much better and had like 90% effectiveness. Yeah. But like, it's not clear if that was part of the protocol or like, yeah, it's a bit. And so people are just saying that AstraZeneca has lost a bit of trust with the way they reported these yeah. Results doesn't yeah. mean that the vaccine isn't going to work, but it's just like, mm. even if the true effectiveness is lower than what the 90%, it's still like if it's a cheap vaccine that they can get out there easily, it's still a, a huge benefit. Like just start yeah. if we start with that one, get it to everyone. And they also state they are tr- they're not going to make a profit. I mean, so they say on this particular vaccine, mm-hmm. no, I don't think the other two companies have said that. So that no. that's their big marketing push. And yeah, and Canada apparently has agreements with like six different all three of those, right? Like we we have maybe I, th- I think we purchased all, all I know three. like specifically is we have 20 million doses of the Moderna vaccine that are pre-ordered yeah. and we have pre-order deals with like five other vaccine makers i think the three that are like these have that have the really good results all three of them we have some pre-deal with and like the ability to purchase more more doses in the future Mm -hmm. but yeah i think the question now is when like everyone's kind of like now chomping at the bit well, is it true that Trudeau said the majority of Canadians will be vaccinated by September? Yeah, that's what I heard. I With start headline I saw. Yeah, and starting sounds like in the like 2021. I mean, like to get the majority done by September, you'd have to be starting in the spring. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, but so but in the U.S., you said someone. A friend of a friend, sort of. A friend of a friend has their, yeah. Has an appointment to get their vaccine in the U.S. somewhere already. But so they, in the U.S., it does seem like in the U.S. there's going to be more, there's going to be a quicker, I'm not sure how much they have to pay for these things. I mean, they need it, so. They need it, that's true. So some people are getting a little upset about that. But, um, yeah, but I mean, I think. I mean, that's where it's. The news today was vaccine or Canada doesn't have any vaccine manufacturing capabilities right now. So we can't make our own. We're reliant on somebody else to do it. We have to import it. Yeah. 
Yeah. And the right, and the last point was that there's the vaccine hesitancy is like a a topic that seems to be cropping cropping up. Like if you actually go in and ask the public, like how comfortable are you? Would you be to get whatever COVID vaccine comes out? A good number of people are saying they wouldn't, or they're uncomfortable in some way. They might not get it. Yeah, like at this stage, who knows what you know? I'm not super worried about that for the no. following reasons. One, because the vaccines that have reported results so far have reported very high efficacy mm -hmm. and the more effective a vaccine is the less number of people need to get it yeah. in order to get herd immunity yeah. and so they're very effective so that will so i don't know what the number is but probably like if 70 or 80 percent of the population gets it mm -hmm. like that would be good mm -hmm. Those are made up numbers, just in case. <laughs> Don't quote them back to me later. Um, and then the other reason that I'm not super worried is because the flu shot this year mm -hmm. is in super high demand. Right. Everybody's getting their flu shot because they were told that it's very important to get your flu shot this year yeah. um, because we really can't have a double, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> like a double epidemic. Mm -hmm. So... And people listened mm -hmm. and there's a run on flu shots mm -hmm. and it's hard to get them this year. So that's a good sign. Yeah. So I think that's a good sign that there's enough people that are willing to listen to the health health advice. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm not super worried about vaccine hesitancy. I really hope that my confidence doesn't ruin everything. There does sound like there's also some more side effects that come with an mRNA vaccine like you get really potentially get sicker I don't know that is this not is the opposite of what I that you've that read in the New York Times then this these. is not correct information <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I mean this is this is something that's circulating out there that people are talking about on Facebook <laughs> no no I mean I'm not really on <laughs> Facebook just I think I saw a newspaper article about it is where I think I got it from. Well, yeah. we're going to have to look into that. More research needed. Okay. Let's end it there. Do you have a joke by chance? No. No. That's okay. Let's, let's just say good. We did, this is good. This is just a log. This is where we are today in this saga. It's almost December, okay. the holidays. Planning for the holidays is a biz next, kind of the next thing. Yeah. We're kind of everyone's wondering what to do next. I'll end the podcast by saying happy birthday to Allison because it's yes. her birthday today. Happy birthday, Allison. Good night. Good night. <laughs>